0: The volume.
2: The Draymond Green Show is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to bet the action than on FanDuel Sportsbook during the football season. It's easy to use. It's safe and secure. You get payouts in as fast as two hours. There's so many bet types. My favorite same-game parlay bets. There's live betting, player props, futures. If you're new... Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. To get started now, sign up. Please use the promo code Colin. C O L I N. FanDuel Sportsbook makes it easy.
0: Hello,
3: hello, hello. Welcome to a very special and also very last minute collaboration between the old men of the three and the Draymond green show timing wise it couldn't have worked better Draymond just won his fourth championship he's also got arguably arguably the greatest basketball podcast out right now
2: definitely the hottest out the hottest out I mean some
3: people some people would maybe argue there's some other really good ones
2: in this, case, in this case, I think we're okay being number two, honestly, with, with the, his content over the last month.
3: I do want to point out one thing. Um, a few months ago, Duke played Michigan State. <laughs> in, the, in the Sweet 16, or to go to the Sweet 16, I texted Draymond, and I said, I said, Dray, let's, let's, let's have some action on this game. And normally when I bet college basketball games, it's usually with UNC guys. Those guys are randomly very cheap, <laughs> and they want to do $100 bets, $200 bets. I, I knew Dre was the real deal, so I said, let's bet a bottle of DRC. Of course, Duke won. and of course, uh, it was close,
2: though. It was you were, close. You were sweating for a little but bit.
3: But Dre showed up tonight with a 2006 Rischeberg, so let's give Dre a hand on that. <laughs> the man pays his debts. All right, we got a great show for you guys tonight. Um, let's welcome in Draymond Green from the Draymond Green Show. Let's go.
2: Dramatic entrance.
0: Hello, everyone. a little bit. That wasn't a real player of me, but I'm here. What's up, guys? What's up, man? This is great. This is great.
3: We, um, just so we know, the reason there's a fourth chair is that we randomly, five minutes ago, learned we we probably are going to have a surprise guest at some point in the show tonight, so we appreciate that. Dre, I got a question for you because I've never won an, uh, an NBA championship and you've won four. Um,
0: I got one to spare. <laughs> got one to spare. Take, take me through
3: take me through the last 11 days since you guys won. Uh, the, the aftermath of that feeling, the aftermath of winning a championship.
0: Well, there's been a lot of shut-ups and fuck-yous. Yeah. Um, just been just been absolutely amazing. What are they going to say now? Yeah. Draymond versus everybody. I like that. She's ready. Shout out to her. Uh, No, honestly, I'm getting old. And I've just been chilling. Like, at home, doing nothing. Like My wife's been trying to get me to fly all over the place. Let's go to Cabo. Then she leaves to LA. Let's go to LA. And I was supposed to leave to LA on Wednesday. I pushed the trip back every day until Sunday, till I had to leave, and be. My flight from, to here was from L.A., so I had to fly to L.A. Sunday. So the drunk Draymond that y'all see that said, "Yep, nope," I wasn't quite that guy this time around. I've been at home chilling, trying to get my feet under me, man. It's been crazy. It's nuts.
3: I got a question though about the parade. Um, again not to be self-deprecating too much but i've envisioned that happening in my life and it never did unfortunately (laughs) um and you know we did a bit on on espn we did a bit about who the mvp of the warriors parade was and certainly you're a candidate for that Klay Thompson had five or six viral moments in the in span of two hours. <laughs> and, and Steph seemed to really let go a little bit.
0: Absolutely.
3: Who was your MVP of the Warriors parade?
0: It definitely wasn't me. I mean, I've had my moments and I've had my parades that I owned. It wasn't that one. Um, I have to go co-MVP for Steph and Clay, And here's why. Like you just hit that. Steph never lets go like that. Like I think people has seen another side of Steph that they had never knew existed, and it's great to me because I've seen this side of Steph like for years, and to see him um, like outwardly own everybody and own outwardly own his situation. Normally he quietly does it. You saw the celebration after the ring. I read the lips. You know, we we know what he said. Um, Or not after the ring, when we was about to get the ring. It was just a totally different stuff. And then you got Clay, who, I mean, the the, the guy completely tackles some woman. And the boat, and the boat, yeah. On the way to tackle the woman, he loses his hat in the water. He loses his championship ring. And the reality is, is that kind of sums up Clay. Like he'll lose his head if it's not attached to his shoulders. But, but like that's Clay. Like Clay's the guy who will wake up for practice late. Look at the clock. Like ah, I'm already late. I'm just not going. Like, and and so to see those two guys in, in that element, like, like surprise, surprise. I was cussing everyone out. Surprise. Like who? But you didn't expect that from, I mean, I expected that from Clay, but you didn't expect that, really, from those two guys. And like I said, when he tripped over the thing, the reason that's the moment of the parade, because if he does not hit that woman, he's fucked up. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, there's like, all right, somebody help me out. On the street, there's like these little vents, you know? They all, yeah. A gra- yeah, so they got them in San Francisco in the middle of the street. He's on that, like he's about to fall on that, and then he hits this woman and crush her, and she fall on it. So, I don't, like that had to be the time of the parade. I gotta go co-MVP for Stephen Clay, I have to. Speaking for yourself, did you have a favorite fuck you? My favorite fuck you was my daughter sitting on the side of the float light. <laughs> like. <laughs> that, was, that was my favorite during the parade. Um, my favorite since the parade and all of this is Skip Bayless. Uh, Everybody agree? (laughs) Like, fucking guy sucks. No, my favorite after parade was the podcast yesterday. I called Jackson. Jackson's fucking on vacation somewhere, and I'm like Jackson. I call him. I I I text him on like Thursday or Friday. I'm like Jackson, we really need to do a podcast now. Mind you, Jackson's been hitting me up since Sunday. Jackson, I can't think straight. I just won a championship. You probably shouldn't hit me on Sunday. It's even before the parade. Just getting back from Vegas, but nonetheless. So then I finally hit Jackson back on Thursday, Friday. I'm like, Jackson, we really need to do a podcast. And he's like, ah, I think it'll be cool if we just do it on Monday at the show. And I'm like, yeah, Jackson, I kind of have a lot of shit to say and I really need to do this podcast. He's like, yeah, but I'm kind of on vacation. Like, all right. So we did the podcast yesterday morning. And it was absolutely, I thought it was amazing. Uh, I hope everyone else thought it was amazing. But... To absolutely destroy Skip Bayless. I, I, I never see the rebuttal, but I'm sure he was as shitty as he was when Stephen A just crushed him last week. <laughs> like, like, he looked like he was about to cry when he's responding to Stephen A. But the reality is the reason you should believe Stephen A, number one, is a real guy, and I'm not just saying because that's my guy. But Shannon actually saved the guy when he went to the next network. So when Stephen A comes out and say, no, this show was suffering and I came on and saved it, you'd be a fool not to believe that because the show was suffering and Shannon came on and saved it. So I enjoyed that more than anything. He wanted to throw it out. You got to take them punches if you're going to dish them, brother. One one
3: thing to note is... um Stephen A. said all this stuff about Skip Bayless on The Old Man in Three. I just wanted to make that... <laughs>
0: hey, no. I just wanted to make that Hey, well, no.
3: Stephen A. Had also said some similar things on, on different interviews. Um, and by the way, we will at some point over the next hour touch on new media. Absolutely. I don't want to go there quite yet. You mentioned Steph as the co-MVP, and I want to kind of go there. And Steph, uh, and I, I've been... Um, Very vocal about this. Like, Steph is is my favorite player of this generation. He was a guy that, you know, I I obviously admired. I I love competing against. I love the joy that he plays with and all that stuff. Game four, Mm -hmm. early, and then game six at the end Mm -hmm. when he was crying. The emotions that he showed, the intensity in game four, early in the game, the crying at the end. I have to think, and you're his teammate, I have to think that this championship meant a little more to him. Whether that had anything to do with Kevin Durant in 17 and 18, or whether it was him not winning the MVP in 2015, I'm not sure what it was. It just seemed like at this moment in his career, this one meant a little bit more.
0: I think it definitely did. Um, Number one, the emotion from him in game 4 i selfishly think and i'm and no one's going to stop me from thinking this i selfishly think it was in protection of me i struggled so bad in game 3 i was a fucking disaster and the reality is I was a little rattled. And I'm never rattled on an opposing. I was a little, because it was just unexpected. Like, you expect the booze. You expect, um, you know, people screaming at you and yelling. But I never expected 21,000 people to be yelling, fuck you, Draymond. Like, and, and then you're running down the court, and, and on the sideline, it's, fuck you, bitch. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> like. These guys are short of saying everything except the N-word, almost. it's like, And so I was a little thrown off by it. On top of I was struggling playing. And so what you dive into is your struggling playing. Uh, I mean, is, is your game. But I couldn't really dive into that. I was struggling. And so I'm like, wow. And I think he visibly saw that. And so I think the emotion coming out of game four, I told him at the end of game four, For all the people that say, Stephen Clay carries you to a championship, great. Thanks. I got four of them. Um, (laughs) But at the end of game four, on the court, I said, thank you. Because they were going to fucking destroy me. Like, I appreciate it. And he's like, nah. Nah, you know what's up. Like, this is what it is. And so, now, fast forward into game six and the overall feeling for him. Listen, we, we, we know the day and age we live in. We know how important the media is. You know, We always speak on new media and all this stuff. But the media is important. Like I always say it baffles me that media doesn't look at this thing as a partnership. Because the reality is our thing don't work without them. It does not grow to be doing 8 to $10 billion of revenue or whatever it's doing without the media. On the flip side, they had nothing to talk about during COVID when no one was playing. So none of this works without the other, and it baffles me that it's not viewed as more of a partnership. And I felt that for Steph, he's been ridiculed. And you're talking a guy who who does nothing wrong. Like if you say, yo, show me the model citizen, I can show you Steph Curry and show you the model citizen like that just doesn't do much wrong at all. And he's been ridiculed, uh, his, talking about his legacy, he has no finals MVPs, blah, blah, blah. As much as you don't show you feel that, you feel it. And I know he felt it. And so to go on, um, here's another thing before I go on. I think the ultimate sign of respect that you can show someone is to invite them into your home. Like that's the ultimate respect you can give me is to open the door to your home for me. And Steph, I felt like, opened the door to his home for Kevin. And Kevin came in and, God damn it, this is home for you too. We all brothers. None of this stuff works without Kevin. We all know that. But for me to open... For me to open this door for you and you come home and and then it's successful, I feel like that should just go on and on and on and on. And then you kind of just abruptly exit. You know, and then you look, you you know, then you have to remember the details. Steph flying from Japan redirects his plane to not go to San Francisco to come to New York only to find out on Instagram an hour before he land that Kevin was coming to the Brooklyn Nets. I think it's all of those emotions wrapped up into one, and and what you get is a Steph Curry talking more shit than me, and it's great, and I absolutely love it. So,
3: so there, there there's there, there's two parts to this that that partnership, right? There's all the things you talked about with Steph, and for Steph Curry fans, Golden State Warriors fans. I I think the fact that he hadn't won a finals MVP, despite the fact that I say this all the time, you know, he's, he's the only guy that has been 25, five and five for the finals winning team and not one MVP. He did that three times prior to this year. So he's been great in the
0: finals. Absolutely.
3: So some of that was because of LeBron's performance in 15, obviously Iggy being great in that series Starring in his role, but not being the guy. Absolutely. And, and because of that, those four votes that went to LeBron, like they didn't go to Steph or whatever. There is a part of this, though, where because you guys had won before, and now that you've won after, Kevin maybe doesn't get enough credit for 17 and 18, at least from my perspective. And I want to get your opinion on that.
0: Well... I think, number one, going back to 2015, um, Andre was absolutely amazing. And I think what it came down to when, it, when when discussing like the finals MVP was, I'm not sure if everyone remembers that game six that Andre had for us to win. But every time they made a run, he hit a big three. Right wing, right corner. And then obviously he was guarding LeBron. Now, I think people will look at it and say, but look at LeBron's numbers. But what people doesn't understand is you never shut these guys down. Like, you don't. Like, you're not going to look and say, oh, man, he held LeBron to 17 points. Like, no one fucking holds LeBron to 17 (laughs) points. Like, your job is to make it tough. And I think Andre made it very tough. And then he had a couple games offensively that he was lights out. So then Steph... Steph doesn't go on to win, and LeBron's performing incredible and all of those things. But then you fast forward to 2017, and I don't think the outside world gave Kevin enough credit. I think if you came within our organization, Kevin was given all the credit. Because quite frankly, Steph Curry doesn't care. Like, he would have never opened the door to his home to you if he did care. Because guess what we know? We know Kevin Durant is absolutely incredible. We know Kevin Durant is a superstar. So if I open my home to you, I'm already accepting the fact that I'm sharing my light with you. I'm sharing my stage with you. Clearly it's totally fine. And I think for us within the organization, we did everything we could to make Kevin comfortable. We did everything we could to to let him know just like this is our home, this is your home too, brother. <clears throat> but the outside world did it. The outside world, he's joining a team that won 73 games, he's, he's joining a team that already won a championship and blah, blah, blah. But the reality is, is I don't think that team wins another championship if Kevin doesn't come. Now, you may say, oh yeah, but y'all won the fourth one without Kevin. But there's a gap in there where, Teams started to figure us out. and,
3: and would, you, would you guys have beat Houston yeah. those, those two years without Kevin?
0: Yeah, we was beating them for sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> kidding me. That team was never going to beat us. <laughs> it just was not going to happen. What about, the, what about, the, what about the Cavs time. then? We would not have beat the Cavs coming back around without Kevin. And here's why. Teams have figured us out. And I personally don't think at that point... Steph Curry had figured out, I'm going to get a bucket whenever I want to. I don't think he was capable of that yet. I think he was still growing into that. And so because of that, once teams started to figure our offense out, we were starting to struggle more and more. I'm not sure if you remember that series of OKC where we were down 3-1 to and we had to come back. And that's because teams had started to figure it out. And so what, what then in turn ended up happening was, Steph still creates all the havoc that he fucking creates. Like I tweeted, Steph faced so many double teams and Kevin didn't. That's a fact. Like You can go look at the numbers or just watch the game if you can analyze the game better than Skip Bayless. And um, (laughs) if you watch the game, then you see that Steph's getting double teamed. And Ty Lue then goes publicly and say, I'm double teaming Steph Curry every chance I get. Kevin wasn't getting double teamed. The reality is, is we got to a point where we needed to be able to give someone the ball that can just go get a bucket. And Kevin was already there. I don't think Steph was there yet. So it gets us through those two years. We get those those two championships. But while we're doing that, Steph is continuing to work and evolving. And most importantly, becoming the strongest dude on our team. And to this day, he's the strongest guy on the team. And that allowed him to score whenever he wanted because you can no longer bump him off his path. Like, I think about the drive against Al Horford when he was picking on Al Horford in the fourth quarter, (laughs) game six. You, you, (laughs) You think about the drive that he had where he boom, 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 and then he just drove. Al Horford's riding his hip, and he just lays the ball up. Normally, Al Horford would bump him off his path, and he's ending up shooting a runner He couldn't bump him off his path, and that's where Steph turned the corner and he became unstoppable, and now we're able to continue winning championships because he's unstoppable.
2: And you think that process started while Kevin was there or after Kevin left?
0: I think it definitely started when Kevin was there because in 2019 was when Steph really locked in on the weight room. And so that's where he kind of starts taking that bump and kind of bumping it up a little bit. And although it didn't show immediately, because then 2020 we were terrible and he broke his hand, you started to see in 2021, we were still terrible, but Steph was carrying us and he carried us to a playing game and we didn't get past it. It was probably great because we would have got swept and that would have been the first series we ever got swept, so thank God we didn't make it. But um, (laughs) I think you started to see it then, that growth and like, oh man, nobody can stop this dude now. And I think that really changed the complexity of our organization and I'm pretty certain that's why we'll win three of the next four NBA championships.
2: I-, I wanted to, Dre, I wanted to ask you about, I, wa- I wanted to ask you about game six. Um, what is it like, the 21-0 run in particular, what is it like to suck the life out of an opposing arena in God. a closeout game?
0: Oh my God. <laughs> There's no better feeling <laughs> than going into an opposing team's gym and quieting the crowd. But, let me rephrase that. There used to be no better feeling than going into an opposing team's arena and quieting the crowd. But quieting those fucks? <laughs> that took the cake. Because they were so loud games three. And then game four, they got humble, but they were so loud. And then coming into game six, like you just knew. Coming into game six, they tried to get a, a, a Let's Go Celtics chant going in the warm ups. And they might as well have been in a G League gym. Because <laughs> it, it, I mean, the sound of it was like, are they cheering? Like, they stopped the music. and they Now, they did this a couple games before, and, like, they stopped the music, and it's like, oh, my God, it's loud in here. But, like, they tried to chant it, and, and you could have heard us three doing the podcast, <laughs> as quiet as it was in there. It was absolutely amazing. So now the best feeling in the world is going to the Boston Celtics TD Garden and quieting the crowd. It does not get much better than that. It does not.
3: You know... We've done three of these live shows, and we we always like to have a a visual component to these live shows, so we have actually prepared a video. Unfortunately, we all have to get up while the screen rolls down, Draymond. And, you know... (laughs) Mad Dog Dog and I, uh, on Stephen A's show, first take, we um, had some disagreement about... Draymond Green and, and his antics, but I just thought we could put together a compilation just from this year's playoffs, of some of Draymond Green's antics. Here comes Gordon as we close the
2: five minute mark. Green on Sunday for the first time in his career. Yeah. In the second right
3: there, Jordan Gordon just got to do the ball. Final decision goes.
0: Out. Hey, I'm holding him up, man. Oh, this was great. Fuck you. That fouls here on bull. Brain delay. He's gonna make havoc. He just runs right through him. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not giving it to
4: him. this together. What a fight this series is and Brown took exception to Green's legs
0: being on him as he fell. Frank Williams says Draymond Green draws the found. Y'all don't be seeing these guys picking with me, man. Hey, this is ridiculous. The pace again. That's incredible, right? That's amazing. <laughs> Dr- uh,
3: Draymond. I want to get into some of these specific plays in a second. I think the most (laughs) obvious place to start here is, why are you such a dick?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well. That's a nice way of saying it. (laughs) Um, It does. It does. The reality is, is I, I used to be a dick. A big dick. I used to be. I've changed. But be, but because I used to be such an asshole, I think people still feel the need to pick with me because going coming in, in their mind, they think I'm coming in to be an asshole. Like, there's guys that I used to bully. Like, literally bully. In the league. And, like, over the last couple of years, I've changed so much that I'll walk up to him and be like, yo, and they'll be like, ah, and I'm like, no, man, I'm just coming to say, How you doing? Like, what's up, brother? Like, you alright? He's like, oh, yeah, man, I'm good. How are you? And then it's a big smile. So then you see, like, like Grant Williams is picking with me the entire series. I'm from Saginaw, JJ. That's why I'm a dick. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> do
2: you, with the Memphis Maybe. series in particular, do you respect all the shit that they talk or is
0: there part of you where like you guys haven't earned it? Oh no, I love it. I think it's absolutely incredible. I love them talking shit. I think it's great. You know, I've spoken on on the podcast before about Memphis being oblivious to the situation. Like they're they're young. No, serious. It's not an insult, it's actually a compliment. They're young, and they don't know how big these moments are. So they're just oblivious to it. We've been there before, where you're just in the moment, and you're playing, and, like, I'm in my third year, we're competing for a championship. and Like, you're just in that moment. Like, you don't know how big this moment is. You don't even know to get nervous, because you don't understand how big the moment is. And so I've said that about Memphis. Like, those young guys, they're unfazed by anything. And a large part of of the, the reason that they're on phase is because they just don't understand how big the moment is. Now, talking shit to the team that won a championship after they beat you, after they win a championship, <laughs> is an entirely <laughs> different level of oblivion. Like, <laughs> right? it doesn't get <laughs> much more oblivious than that. And I think for them. You're now going to be expected to do that. You're now going to be expected to win these games. And it's not as easy when teams are coming for you. And so I think now they're going to get their reality check. And it's not that they will still be able to win. They may still be able to win. But they're going to realize how much harder it is for them to win. And now, because they're talking the way they're talking, they better lose that oblivion. Because they better understand these moments now are huge. Like, you know, I love Ja. I, I, I love his demeanor. I love he carry himself. I, I think being true and authentic to yourself is, like, the way to go. You've shown that. You've shown that. I've shown that in this space. Like, being true to yourself, authenticity is what sells. Everyone say controversy. Authenticity sells. Authenticity is why Stephen A. sells. Not because he creates controversy. If that was the case, Skip Bayless would sell. <laughs> but authenticity sells. And so I absolutely love uh, Ja Morant and, and everything that he stands for. But now, you're gonna be expected to do that. And don't go out there oblivious. You better understand these moments, because you go out there talking, talking about, yeah, come to, I mean, to show you the level of oblivion, by the way, Ja told me on Twitter, yeah, bring them to the M for Christmas. Fuck no, nobody's coming to Memphis for Christmas. Number one. <laughs> but number two, the champs don't travel for Christmas. And I know everybody. You know when you tweet under, I said shout out to L.J. Like, Bron changed that rule years ago, where you win the championship, you play at home. So maybe we'll see them them, them kids in uh in the Bay for Christmas Day. I'll invite them over for dinner. They can have dinner with me and my family after we beat them on Christmas Day, if that game happens.
3: I I said this a few times during the playoffs while they were still uh, playing. So through the first round, through the second round. um, Not in the same way, but like eerily similar in some ways to our 09 Magic team that made the finals. It's like the first time a group goes through something and like has the capability to win a conference, to get to the finals, it's it's hard to gauge them and assess them in real time. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, they they lose to you guys.
0: Hey, there go Mr. Godala. Yeah. Hey, there we go. On e- e- black e- people time, e- just e- like Et he e- 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 is e- here too. ET, e- T- what's up, man? ET, what's up, man? Point Forward podcast. I
3: know, Point Forward podcast. But it, it, it's, it's hard to gauge them in real time, right? And, and then, of course, they lose to you guys. But when you look towards next year, sort of like you, you said you're going to win three of the next four. Great for you. I, I hope you do. Um, <laughs> but when you look forward in the Western Conference and you think about threats, where do you see threats?
0: The Knicks. <laughs> wow. Wow. Where do I see threats? He said the West, all right? Can we leave the Knicks in Brooklyn out of this? <laughs> he specifically did that so y'all don't boo me off the stage, by the way. Um, where do I see threats in the West? So I could be Memphis and be oblivious to it. Or I could understand that they're a threat but not a problem. Memphis is a threat because like, they're young and talented. Now, will they keep that together? Because I think a huge part of them is like their camaraderie and being young all together. But then you see they just traded Anthony Melton. You know? So you start to see those pieces get pulled out, and it's, it's not the same vibe. So then can they recapture that? But they're a threat. Not a problem, but a threat. The Clippers got Ty Lue as their coach, who I arguably is, you. is arguably, I mean, I have a great coach myself, uh, Steve Kerr. Yeah. But for, for the sake of the old media debates, Ty Lue is arguably one of the best coaches in the NBA, uh, arguably the best. You know, someone can make that argument. Um, and then they have great players, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, uh, the guys that they're filling in around him with, you go, you go pull a trade off and get Robert Covington, and and um and uh Norman, Norman Powell. Powell, and you already have Marcus Morris there and Reggie Jackson, they're a real threat. Batum may, probably will resign there, like that's a real threat, um and a problem, like they're a threat and a problem, but other than that. <laughs> Were you, were you surprised Were you surprised uh, Dallas got there? I'm sorry, Dallas is a threat because they have one of the best players to play. Yeah. And, and when you have, like, like, by all means, don't get it twisted. There were a lot of reasons we won the finals, but we had the best player on the court every series we played in. So your, your chances of winning goes through the roof. In most series that Luka Doncic plays in, He's going to be the best player on the floor. So because of that, you'll always give yourself a chance. And then they got Nico Harrison, who, I mean, you and I both know how Nike negotiate, and that was Nico negotiating those contracts. So they got Nico doing the job with J-Kid, and, and, and I think their secret ingredient to their thing is Jared Dudley. Jared Dudley is one of the smartest guys that I've been around when it comes to basketball. And you know, does, does is very smart. So I think that's their seeking and agreement. So Memphis, I mean, Dallas is a threat. Can't quite say they're a problem yet, but they are 100% a, a big threat. Memphis is a little threat. <laughs> Dallas is a big threat.
3: I wanna actually go back for a second, I, because I did have a question about those videos. Um, when you're on the ground, why do you try to pull people's pants down? <laughs> You know, no, you, there's a legit reason. I, I want you to explain it.
0: It's the same reason I got kicked out of the fucking NBA finals. <laughs> no man is just gonna step and stand over me. I'm sorry. I have a kid watching at home. My, well, my kids at most games. But like, how am I supposed to explain to DJ, uh, Daddy, why is that dude standing over you while you laying on the ground? Like, uh, cause, like, I can't explain that. But what I can explain is why I'm pulling up on him. So so because he's standing on, I can explain that. You know, I I don't want my two daughters seeing a guy standing over me. I I can't respect that. And so why do I pull the shorts? It's because my core isn't tight enough to just get myself up. So I I use the shorts to get me up. (laughs) Yeah, I use the shorts to get me up. But I'll tell you what about pulling shorts. When Jalen Brown went in the media and said he tried to pull my shorts down, I knew I took his heart. I knew I took his heart. And not that I'll have it next year. I gotta regain it next year and next, next time we play him. But I knew for the rest of that series, I had him. Because you know you're standing over me, and you're gonna go to the media and say, he was trying to pull my shorts down. Like, come on, bro, you standing over me. Like, own it. Like I gotta tell all these, stand on that. You gotta stand on business. And when he said, oh, turn your alarm off, man. We're pretty cool. We're pretty cool. We are pretty cool. When he said he's trying to pull my, it's two things that Jalen Brown went into the media and said, and one thing these young guys are going to learn, like, hey man, you better pay attention to what you say because somebody else is watching. He said, he tried to pull my shorts down. I said, yep, I got him. It reminded me a lot of, you remember the, the clip of Alonzo Mourning and Dennis Rodman, and Dennis Rodman's talking to him and Alonzo like, this motherfucker is crazy. When he said that, I said, oh yeah, I got him. But Another thing he said, and I sent it to our team, he said, we are not afraid of the Golden State Warriors. I sent it to our team in a group chat and said, we are afraid of the Golden State Warriors, because nobody asks you, are y'all afraid of us? (laughs) Why the fuck are you talking about that? (laughs) He's like, we are not afraid of them. Uh, We'll do this and we'll do that. I knew at that point, I'm like, yup, this, this is baby food and this is over and we're gonna walk on out of here with a championship. So, to answer your question, I answered your question. I pull up on the shorts, and I got no other way of getting up, and I can't, <laughs> I can't just lay there. And like, imagine, imagine if I was trying to get up like this while I got stepped up. So, it's all over, and that's how I gotta get up. So I pull myself up, and it works.
3: It works. It, it, it looks worse in slow-mo. It honestly does. Well, now, it looks worse in slow-mo.
0: Well, one thing we are certain of is the NBA definitely reacts to social media, and so y'all make sure y'all blast that clip of me saying I got bad core and I'm pulling up on the shorts to get myself up. So when it happens next year, they won't suspend me.
3: Be great. My, my, my second question about that video, very specifically, the, the, when you fouled Jalen Brown and you decided to move your legs to the right and rest them on his shoulders instead of just naturally going to the left. It seemed... It seemed like you decided at the beginning of Game 2 that you were just going to be an asshole that night. And I, I, I want... Because I, I, I actually have said this on ESPN, on the podcast. It seemed like after Game 1, you guys lose, you didn't play particularly well, you admitted that on the podcast. Going into Game 2... You were like, "I'm just gonna wreak havoc, no matter what."
0: I also told y'all I was going to. <laughs> I was shocked at the reaction of everyone after Game Two, because I told y'all, "What they say? They're watching your podcast and taking clues." With well, damn it, I told y'all I was going to act an ass going into Game Two because I was awful in Game One. The reality is that I wasn't really awful. But, you know, we drove. I drove that, and so I'll take that. But I told y'all, like, I was soft. We were soft. We let them come into our house and get a win. We hadn't lost at home. I felt like I could go out there and bully them a little bit. And sure enough, I was, and I hear their coach on the sideline yelling, Stop talking to him! Why are y'all talking to him? Just stop. Leave him alone. Don't get into that with him. And I said, You know what? I need to do more. And everybody's like, everybody's like, slow down, you're going to get ejected. I told my mom, I said, mom, and my fiance, by the way, I blame my game three performance on them. They, they dogged me after that game. Like, why are you like this? It's ridiculous. You need to carry yourself better. Blah, blah, blah. And, um, <laughs> and so, I knew that, I told my mom, I said, "Ma." We are better off with me getting ejected and causing a bunch of havoc than we are me just going out there and playing soft and going through the game and me standing in the game. Because if I get ejected on that type of time, our team can win. I got benched in game four. We still won. Like, our team can win, but I'm going to make sure I get them on that type of time. And so for me, it was like, I'm going to just go in and I'm going to create this mindset of just totally disrespect these dudes and destroy them. And if I can create their mindset, whether I get ejected or not, we're better than them. They're gonna just keep this going and we'll win this game whether I get thrown out or not. So that was how I felt and I rolled with it. And I, I mean, I don't think I deserve to get kicked out though, which <laughs> most people said I did, but it is what it is. Did you, did you think it was easier at all because these guys had not
2: been there before versus like when you're playing the Cavs and they know what you're about to do?
0: Well, it's easier because we're not playing LeBron James. Like, <laughs> right, Andre? <laughs> uh, Andre, no. Like, they asked me a question. <laughs> they asked me a question in a press conference. Like, how does the IQs rank against the Boston and LeBron James? Like, shut up. <laughs> like, what are we talking about? It's easier because you're not playing LeBron James, who is like the ultimate mastermind in our game. And so you're not playing that chess match with him. And like it's a lot easier to play chess match with anybody else. But against LeBron, it's different. <clears throat> and Bronn can, comp- Bron can prepare his guys for what's to come. Al Horford couldn't prepare them for what was to come. So you know that going in, and you know, no, no disrespect to Al Horford. Al Horford catching strays. Al Horford catching strays. I'm just saying. Well, Al Horford also did this in game one. <laughs> and then he did it in game six, and I laughed at him. <laughs> and they lost. But, like, they didn't know what to expect. And, like, going into that, being in the finals five times, like, you understand what to do with your family. You know, you understand what to do with your friends. Like, you understand all of these things. I put my kids in a, on a totally different floor in the hotel room because you just need to stay locked into that moment. And so I knew... I knew that they weren't truly ready and prepared for that moment. And I knew we would be able to lean on that. And sure enough, we did.
3: After game three, you guys lose. It seemed like Boston was the younger team, the bigger team, the more athletic team.
0: I know y'all all all said it. Faster, stronger, bigger, more (laughs) athletic.
3: People said it. I may have said it as well what I'm changed sorry i'm
0: not lumping you in with them no, what what what
3: what changed though like, cuz we can get into pick and roll coverage and uh the turnovers and all that stuff but what changed game 4 game 5 game 6
0: number 1 game 4 i figured out if you you sent most of those guys left it was not good um and so that i thought was a huge adjustment for us and like fate, like shading them guys to their left hand, because they were so dangerous going right, and they were just getting us in the right slot, driving the basketball, you have to come over to help, they're kicking it out, and now your whole defense is broken down. And that's what they were doing, and so I'm like, I'm gonna try to force them left, see what they do. They start dribbling that bitch off their foot, and like all (laughs) types of stuff. So I'm like, okay, we got some here, this is great. But what really changed was, we knew game one, they shouldn't have won that game. We gave it away. They got hot. Everybody, like, went up in arms, and I was like, those three guys were the ones that were making shots? We'll be all right. But, like, you know that. Like, it, it reminds me of in game seven, when I had that incredible game seven after I got suspended. Like, that's all fine and Danny, and that's great, but if Steph and Clay not making shots, it's going to be hard for us to get over the hump. Well, I got 30. Three or 39. It's going to be hard for us to get over the hump if they're struggling.
3: 30, I think it was 32-15-7.
0: Oh, great. 32. I don't know. I, I never watched that game. Fuck that game. But, um, like, if those two don't got it... Because we all feed off of them. So if I'm scoring, they can't feed off that. But if they're scoring, the whole defense overreacts. And then we all feed off of that. And I thought for those guys... They didn't. Now, you look at those games that they won, and I'm like, ah, like, we should have won both of these games. But going into game four, we knew that the only thing we had to do was force them to beat us, not beat ourselves. We beat ourselves in game one. We beat ourselves in game three. Let's force them to beat us, and they weren't capable.
3: Um.
0: leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your
2: first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more...
3: Quick To talk about new media, uh, the reason that we did not bring up this guest earlier in the show is because he can talk for a long time, and I didn't want him to be a distraction for the show. So if he's around, can we bring on Stephen A. Smith, please? (laughs)
0: This is about to get good. It's about to get good. What up, up? Uh oh, they like the new media in here. They didn't man. cheer for
3: you.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I think, I, you know what? I'm going to be honest with you guys. I, I think that Stephen A. deserves a better applause than that. Yeah. Let's get this massive love. Let's get some love. Absolutely. I-
4: I appreciate it, but I, I, I thought that first applause was good enough. I was good with it. I was good with it.
3: Uh, before we get to the new media, is there anything that Draymond has said so far that you disagree with?
4: <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 see, here's the thing. Draymond's my dude. And you know, I mean, he, he... Listen, I don't have to agree with, with him. I agree with him most of the time. I truly do. You know, when he talk about my man Skip Bayless, we, we slightly disagree with that, <laughs> uh, you know. But, but, you know, as I've told Skip on several occasions, you know, and Skip ain't scared to eat it, you know, just because that's my man. He's the one that brought me on first take. I'm always has some love for him. But that don't mean I agree with everything that he says. And so when a player claps back at him the way Russell Westbrook did the other day or whatever or Draymond did or others have done, you got to handle that. You know, and that's one of the things that, you know, I've I've often told people on First Take. You know, this is a place for authenticity. You cannot talk about people and then get sensitive when they talk about you. Now, you can address what they say. That's entirely different than trying to address who they are. Right. And so I'm very, very specific about that.
0: And Honestly, that's one of the things that I, I truly respect about you. And when, I get pissed off when, when media start talking about all this other shit, punching guys in the yeah. face and yeah. like all this other stuff. And my whole cry about all of this, or not cry because I uh, am, yeah. but it's let's talk about basketball. Right. Like if we can talk about basketball, that's the discussion, that's what the topic should be. Let's keep it basketball. And I think so many times, and and when I speak of the new media, Mm -hmm. and everybody's like, oh, but no one wants to just hear you talk X's and O's. It's not just X's and O's, but it's a way you go about your business. It's a mindset of how you go about your business. And it's the reason that on the podcast I said, Stephen A., you 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 kind of part of the new media he too. Got like me there. you know, he got there's me. there's some stuff yeah. that you I was that you do.
3: I was personally shocked
0: <laughs> he put you as
3: part of the new media. I was shocked. <laughs> oh for
0: sure. You don't know me
4: that the,
3: reality well, is,
0: the reality is, and I'm not just saying this because you sat here because I've said it when you're not sitting here. You tell the truth. Good, bad, or indifferent, whether you like the truth or not, you tell the truth. Now, do get to doing some of that old media stuff sometimes and we have to get on about that but there's a real appreciation for how you go about your business and most importantly what I appreciate and what I don't appreciate quite about others is there's not much authenticity authenticity to others but you're authentic and I appreciate that and I applaud that.
4: I appreciate you man, thank you. I I would say this he got me there you know because he was like, Steve, my friend, you, you, you part of the new media too. And then he broke down the definition of new media. And I was like, damn, he's right, he's got a point. You know, he got he got me there because, you know, you got a lot of folks in media. And one of the things that I try to encourage folks is, listen, I played college ball and I got injured, but even if I was 100% healthy, I couldn't shine y'all shoes. That's just a fact, okay? I wasn't gonna get to the NBA. I wasn't good enough, damn it, period. There are things that pro athletes know that we don't know because y'all experience it, you're in the locker room, you know what goes on. What I try to do is make sure you know, as I told you, JJ, it's not that I know what you know, it's that I know enough because I've been reporting on the game for decades to say, wait a minute, there's more to this story, you gonna give it to me or not? That's the key. The problem is you got too many people in media that want to act like they know what you know. Facts. No, you can't compete with dudes that are actually doing it. What you can do is say, covering the sport and giving you an overview, following it, reporting on it, cultivating resources, being given intel, learning what you learn. Okay, this is what I know. This is what I've heard. What you got to say about that? See, when you do that, then y'all have nowhere to go. Now, when you talk about, where I would get on Draymond about is when when, when Cedric Maxwell, for example, said what he said about him. Cedric Maxwell is a former player, mm-hmm. right? And I don't think Dre, Cedric was saying hey, he would have punched you in the face. He was talking about the culture that existed in the 80s. Now, the media will bring that up. Now, if the media sits up there and says they would do it or they should, that should happen to you, that's crossing the line. But if they said, well, back in the day, the way that they played, that would have happened. You got guys that would take it as if the media is saying that's what they would do. And I'm like, well, if you're going to be critical, listen to what." Not that you didn't do that because you did listen. But you got a lot of cats that they don't listen. They'll read the headline. You didn't read the article. You didn't watch the clip. Your boys came up to you, family members, whomever. And they come up to you saying, I can't tell you how many times somebody came at me. And I was like, did you see what I said? Did you hear it? Did you appreciate the context? Because you want context when we talking about you. What about context when you're coming back at me? And so, But the key is not to run. See, where you lose is when you never go to the games, where you never talk to the athletes, mm-hmm. where you never talk to the coaches, the executives, or anybody, and then you just want to go out there and run your mouth. I pride myself in not being hard to find. Anybody who's ever worked with me knows the only reason you don't see me in the locker room is because, damn it, they got me to do many shows. (laughs) And I just don't have the time to get to. And and the only time I, the only place I have time to get to is the Knicks. And I'll be damned if I'm going to the Knicks game for so much. I'm not going to let them depress me any more than they already have.
3: (laughs) Stephen, I, I appreciate you trying to be self-deprecating about your basketball skill, but let's acknowledge you once made 17 threes in a row. And,
4: and, 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 a tr- and, you know, when Winston-Salem State brought me down, that's how I got my scholarship. I drilled 17 threes in a row and never made a damn jump shot since. But if, but that day, I was all world. Show up in a moment. In <laughs> it the got moment. me a full scholarship. On, j-
3: just for, for everybody here, and, and obviously, you know, people who are going to listen to our podcast this week and and see our our videos on YouTube. And you you beautifully explain, explain new media. And I I have the quote on my phone, but yeah. I would like you to just kind of explain cuz I I said this on your show. He did. He did. 10 days ago. I said I would love for Draymond to explain what new media is. Can you explain what it is?
0: 100%. Um most people think and I know that was kind of the perception of the media as well. When I first start saying, like, the new... By the way, the leader of the new media is J.J. Reddick, just so y'all know. It's not me. This, this guy on TV every day holding it down. So I got a lot of appreciation for J.J. But...
4: He picked against you, but go ahead.
0: No, that's totally fine. <laughs> See, I don't... I didn't, cha-
4: I, I didn't change my pick mid-series. I don't... I don't,
0: I don't, I don't have a problem... <laughs> I don't have a problem with somebody picking against us. Stand on it. Be knowledgeable. And don't just pick against you because you're a hater. Don't pick against us because you're a hater. And so that's what I have a problem with. There's no hate there. He had analysis that shit was wrong, but he did analyze. And so you got to give I him admit, some credit. I admit I was wrong, Draymond. Uh, yeah, I you admit did. I was wrong. I, the way you wrong call me a dick, I got to get you back. Um, <laughs> but the new media, and like I said, everyone thought I'm speaking like, oh, athletes doing podcasts or athletes doing media. Like, athletes been doing podcasts. J.J. Reddick, C.J. McCollum. Athletes been doing media. Like, you've been seeing athletes go up on a stage and, and, and try to debate with Stephen A. He tried to get me up there. I'm no fool. I didn't go to law school. I'm not going up there. But <laughs> I'll go on a Stephen A show. I'm not going to debate on first take. But the new media the new media, I think when when you look at the game of basketball, what's been lost is I can turn on the TV and I can learn about the game of basketball. I I can I can get the X's and O's and the ins and outs and the understanding that there's a game within the game. See, most fans don't understand that there are so many little games within the game, and if you don't understand them, you'll miss them. And so when I said the new media, I'm saying analyzing these things talking about the game and understanding, giving flowers when flowers is due and not just trying to bash a guy every chance that I get. Like, no, it's okay to give flowers because you, you you think about the old day and age, like guys get mad that we hang together or that we work out together. It's the old mindset and I feel like in media, we see a lot of that same mindset and you're criticized with that same mindset. And I don't understand it. And so for me, the new media is simple. It's very simple. It's actually analyzing the game of basketball. It's actually giving those flowers when flowers is due. It's being critical. It's not just saying, oh man, Steph Curry was great, and when he wasn't great, I'm not going to speak on it. Be very critical. But tell us the whole truth and break down why Steph Curry wasn't great. Don't just tell me, Steph Curry was bad, he did this, or, or you don't say he did this. He was bad. He was terrible. His legacy is going to be hurt and this, that. But why was he terrible? Can you explain that to me? Can you help me, the average fan that don't quite understand on Stephen A's level, he explains, but who don't quite understand on some of the other guy's level, can you help me better understand what you're saying? And I think that's been lost. And, and, and what's replaced it is titles and headlines
4: and hot takes for clickbait. There's a flip side to that story. Hey, no. Everything that Draymond Green just said to y'all is total truth. It's just that there's more to it. For example, you could know exactly what you're talking about. And because you're not in that locker room, there's a slew of players that will never admit it. See, what I believe Draymond Green misses is that He's one of the most authentic real honest brothers in professional sports. Let me give you the flip side to you and JJ. JJ is an honest dude, a brilliant mind. Absolutely. Brilliant.
3: I didn't His, I didn't pay you.
4: He did guys not pay. Me. He did not pay me to that. Say he did these not pay nice me. things I'm about me. I want to be clear that. on I'm that. I'm giving him <laughs> that for free. So <laughs> much so I can tell you right now. There are people who absolutely positively positively love the ground that JJ walks on. And then there are people that despise him when they watch him on television because they think he's just so arrogant. And I'm going like this. He's incredibly knowledgeable. He knows it. And he's not apologizing for it. I love it. It works for first take. It works for television. Why would I want him to be any different? But here's the thing. Draymond is all the things that I mentioned, plus outspoken. JJ's the kind of person that on depending on his mood, on a particular day he'll explain. And on another day, I don't feel like talking to your ignorant ass. Now he won't say it, but that's his attitude.
3: I say it with my I, body language too. There,
4: there we go. He says it with his body language. And so what happens is if you Know that. Understand there's an abundance of people out there who will come and have some semblance of the truth. But if they're not in that locker room with you, and then everyone they walk into ain't Draymond. And so where do you go from there? You're talking about the game. You've talked to the coach. You've talked to other players. You've talked to an executive. You've watched with your own two eyes. You lean on your level of knowledge from years of watching the sport, and you deduce this opinion. If everyone was like Draymond, Draymond would have, his point would be unimpeachable. The problem is most dudes ain't. And so as a result of it, now you've got the other stuff to lean on. Then there's another point. You do have dudes who paved the way for the Reddicks, the Draymonds, and others. They will never admit. They pick up the phone or they text and they call Stephen A. And various others hold them accountable. Say this, say that. Don't let them off the hook. You wouldn't have let us off the hook. Come on now. There's a standard here. Blah, 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 blah. So then we sound old school, but what somebody like me speaking solely for myself in this particular situation, I'm letting the modern day player know this is what they are saying about you. I'm not telling you who. I'm not even saying they're saying it, but I'm looking at y'all like, where the hell do you think I get this from? Why the hell would I bring up something from 1985? Why would I bring up something from 1990? That's 30 years ago. Why would I do that? I want y'all to know, listen, there's a standard. When they go and they talk to the league, when they go and they talk to other owners, when they go and they talk to other executives and coaches and scouts and player developmental developmental guys and all of this other stuff, they're saying these things about y'all. And a lot of times, a lot of times, I'd say 90% of the time, it's people within the same locker room, people within the same organization. And so when Snoop Dogg came on my radio show one day, because Snoop Dogg and I have talked on many occasions, obviously, he was like, you ain't selling out, you looking out. That's what he was saying. He's like, you tipping them off about what they did. I was doing a commercial with Beast Mode, Marshawn Lynch. And he was like, yo, man, I didn't know you were this cool. I didn't know. Because I said to him, I'm telling you, all and I don't have everybody's number, and I don't have time to call everybody, but if I say it, I got it from somewhere. And so what I appreciate is guys like him who are smart enough to know, yeah, he's doing his homework, but people calling him, people saying this stuff. He ain't just blowing smoke because you can read between the lines. And outside of that, again, when you talk about new media, all of that comes with it. Because, see, for me, I love the fact that y'all got podcasts. I love the fact that y'all are making noise. I love the fact that y'all are resonating. But you know what I love most? The fact that y'all ain't scared to talk to somebody like me. In other words, let's get it on. Yes, you guys sitting on your mind? JJ JJ, look me dead in my face. I don't know what the hell you talking about. This makes no sense whatsoever. i like, i see you at 10 o'clock. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> That's the way it's supposed to be. And then we end the segment. We smile, give each other a hug, see you tomorrow. That's the way it's supposed to be. Dre, at
2: what point in your career did you start to figure this out?
0: I think I started to figure it out. Probably like f- five years ago, and I know there's kind of this conception of like draymond's outspoken he'll say whatever, but sometimes it takes me a while to come around to things too, and like to let those things out, and that's why I held them in for so long, but that's kind of the same reason why you're seeing this huge eruption now, because I've held these thoughts in for so long, and for me personally in in Starting to try the media thing out, I'm like, there's a certain way that I want to do it. Because there's a certain thing that I would want to watch on TV that you can't get much of on TV today. And so there's a certain way that I want to do it. And and I've tried to stick to that and, and follow that game plan. But most importantly, it's just being authentic to myself. And where I would challenge Stephen A. and what he just said is...
3: You are getting a free episode of First Take, by the way. <laughs> Maybe not free because you bought a ticket, but this is the bonus episode. Where, where
0: I would challenge Stephen A. is, is those guys, and we won't go deep into this today. We'll go deep into this another time. But those guys who's calling from the 80s and guy who played in 85 and 90s, is those are the same guys that say the league is soft today and it's way softer than it was and not as physical and like, what's softer is the cause. The players didn't get softer. We didn't start stop battling. We didn't stop being physical. What's softer is you, you pull a little jersey with your pinky, and it's so a flagrant file, and you're kicked out of a game. Like, that's what's softer. And so you have these guys from the 85 and 90s, Cedric Maxwell, who's like, oh, he get punched in the face. And what did I say? But y'all weren't really punching people in the face like that. Like, they act like they was out there fighting like hockey. And, and they weren't. And, and so, for me, yes, they are calling you, giving you that intel. But it's like exactly what I said in the beginning. Their mindsets are totally different. And I respect those guys. They did pave the way. I appreciate all of them. Like, I'm all for for those guys. But their mindsets are totally different. But well, we're
4: not leaning on their mindset, though. What we're saying is they said it. But what we're really leaning on is how the league has basically enforced a whole bunch of stuff that has made the game soft. As See, yeah, that's where I, I, I
3: disagree with you on this. And Draymond and I talked about this earlier. I, 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 I again, I told you this yes, you two did. weeks ago. Yeah, you did? I spent two hours one day, three hours another day, four hours another day. I watched 81 game four. Uh, finals. I watched 87 game 6 finals. I watched 93 game 4 finals when Jordan had 55. Like, I watched this shit every every minute of the YouTube game. The game is not more physical. Fouls were more physical. You were allowed to get away with harder fouls. The game yeah, is not I, more I, I physical. I disagree
4: with you about people, that. People bring I up, talking about the fouls.
3: No, but people bring up hand-checking. Like, people don't even know. You couldn't hand-check in a scoring area. Yeah. You could hand-check from free-throw line to free-throw line. And it wasn't like you could have your hand on a guy for six seconds. No it was dis- a
4: touch. No disagreement. Let me say this, and I'm not switching subject because this is your show, but I'm dying to touch on this with Draymond and you here. And you here, especially you because you brought this up. getting flashbacks Draymond,
3: to 7.30 a.m. on a Monday morning on a Zoom call <laughs> this with is Stephen hilarious. A. and the producers. This is hilarious.
4: <laughs> Let me tell you the part, Dre, where... I don't believe, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I don't believe you've really experienced this part yet. See, J.J. got a taste of this to be misquoted. (laughs) Completely taken out of context. Where they, I mean, wait until, like, new media, I'm laughing when you say this sometimes. It's not that you're wrong. It's like, he has no idea what is coming. Think about (laughs) how this man talked now. And... They gonna let that watch when uh, they got something about me on social media where JJ Reddick, JJ Reddick said this, and he put Stephen A in this place about this. JJ Reddick was on Sports Center talking the sage deal. <laughs> I was nowhere in the city. the conversation never happened, nothing. But they used my name for click. Yeah. So everybody look what did JJ check Stephen A about? Then they took quotes from me. And they took a piece of quote from that I said on first take. They took a piece of quote that I said on Sports Center six months earlier. They compiled it as if I said it the same day. This is all the stuff. JJ comes in the first in the first take whining. That's right, I said it whining a couple of weeks ago. They they, they, they that, That's not the question, and that's not what I said. I said, <laughs> "Welcome <laughs> to my world," and that's what y'all are in for. That's all I got to say. Let's give it up for Stephen A. Stephen A. Thank you very much. Appreciate you.
3: <laughs> oh, that was great that was, Steven I mean the best. entertainer um, Dre I want to ask you about it's still ongoing and so it's, it's tough to talk about and by the way part of media in general is this legacy narrative discourse and I think there's a difference between legacy and narrative and we can talk about that or whatever But I wanted to ask you about the Warriors' legacy, the Big Three's legacy, Steph's legacy. When you guys won game five, you passed Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, winningest all-NBA trio in finals history since, whatever, 19, I'm not terrible at math, 50 50 years, years. whatever whatever it was. Of course, you won game six, now have four chips together. While you're in it. Do you think about your legacy? Do you think about Steph's legacy and Clay's, Clay's legacy?
0: I think th- there are times that you sit back and have conversations with people, and it'll come up like, "Oh man, like, wow!" You start thinking about it, <clears throat> but when you're in it, it's it's all, it's nearly impossible to appreciate it, you know. And I think. One thing that's changed for me over like doing it this time as opposed to before is I've I've tried to make sure that I appreciate this one a little bit more. In large part due to I now know it cannot happen again. You know, you go to the finals for five years straight, win three of them, probably could have won five, but nonetheless, win three of them, and you just start to think that this is going to happen every year. Like, we'll be back here next year. Like, I've dubbed it the Dubs Invitational, Warriors Invitational. But you you really believe that, like, we'll be back here next year, no problem. And and to go from the NBA Finals to win 15 games, there's a reality that sets in is that this is not guaranteed, and there's a lot of work that goes into getting here. And so I've tried to appreciate this one a lot more, but – I, a, a large part of me feels like the moment you start and appreci- you start overly appreciating it, you'll never get back there. And so I try to keep my appreciation for it to a minimum. And I know most people say, no, nah, man, you got to enjoy the moment. Like, no, nah, I'll, I'll enjoy it when I'm 40 or 50 or 60. But the risk that I'm not willing to take is overly enjoying it right now and never feeling this again. Like, it's too great of a feeling to do anything that could possibly hinder me from experiencing that again. When you
2: talk about some of your teammates, guys like Wiggins, for example, and the impact the organization had on them, is that something? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Draymond.
0: (laughs) This is the present. Sorry to cut you off, Tommy. Just so y'all know, I brought this bottle for JJ. Duke beat my Spartans this year, and we bet a bottle of DRC. And I'm always rolling with my Spartans. We wasn't that good, but I still (laughs)
2: bet. It was close, though. We were talking about it. It was close because
0: time is up. That's what he
2: do. I love Coach K. Don't take it personally. We want
0: a gold medal together. Oh, that was a
2: heavy pour. That was a great pour. (laughs) So with guys like Wiggins, for example, but Jordan's another example as a young guy. Is is that something you can see right away with the organization, them shaping them and being championship-level contributors rather than, you know, you know, what Andrew was doing before this or where Jordan was before this?
0: No, you don't. I, quite frankly, they sent Jordan Poole down to the G League bubble last year, and he was kind of on his way out of the NBA. And so, you know, you, you see all the tendency. And, and, like, in Jordan's defense, he walked into a shitty situation. He walked into me trying to be the top leader when Andre left and I had no idea how to be a vet. He walked into Clay totally being away from the team and, like, rehabbing, and then Steph totally being away from the team and rehabbing. And so the roster that we had, that's the situation that he walked into. No one speaks about that. But he's on his way out. Um, You know, nobody nobody believed Wiggins was going to be this. I mean, we've seen the narrative, and, like, when we got Wiggins, I, I don't think we believed Wiggins was going to be this. But in the midst of only winning 15 games during that season that Wiggins got traded, what you saw was that he can defend. He doesn't back down from any challenge. He's athletic as hell. And if I can, can stay on him to try to show him the way and show him what it takes to win, you did believe that he could be a part of it but you knew there was work that needed to be done because of the situation that he had been in. He had been in Minnesota losing for seven years. And so you knew that it was possible, but you didn't quite know two things. Number one, how long would it take? And number two, when the moment gets the biggest, would that guy be ready for that moment? And both of them, Jordan and Wiggs, they were more than ready for the moment.
3: I love the fact that Draymond is so competitive, he somehow figures out a way to diss his own teammate (laughs) (laughs) because the Timberwolves
0: suck. (laughs) They they do. They do do suck. I I, I have a question. Go ahead. Uh, For you, JJ. Um, What – like, I feel like you've gone on first take – You've been on Get Up. What was it for you going up there? Because I feel like you were the first one. Like, like I said, the leader of the new media. Like I've been, you know, doing my thing and all of this stuff and speaking to new media. But I feel like you were the first person to go on these stages, on these platforms, and embody that and embrace that. And I don't think it was something you intentionally did. I think it's authentic to you. But in saying that. It's intimidating to go up there and oppose against Stephen A. Like, it, that, like he's the greatest at that thing. Like, not often do you have the opportunity to share moments with the greatest at a thing in life. And so he's the greatest at that thing. That's a big intimidating. What was it for you to go on these platforms and speak the way you've spoken and with the confidence? Like, you've won America. Like, everybody wants to see J.J. Reddick on TV. Like what was it for you that gave except, you the confidence Steph in fans, to do that?
3: Apparently, because <laughs> apparently I'm Steph's biggest hater, even though he's my favorite player. I, we'll we'll talk about this later. No, th- there's two things to this. Number one, I can remember my first time on first take. And by the way, no offense to Stephen A., I had never fucking watched the show before, <laughs> so. I didn't, even know, I didn't even know it was a debate show. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> I didn't even know. <laughs> but I, I remember my first two or three times on first take, and I was only working once a week at the time because, you know, whatever. Uh, you get that pregame jitters, the pregame butterflies, and they're like 30 seconds, 10 seconds, 7 seconds. Stephen A. is texting somebody, you know, whatever. I'm looking around. And I, I remember thinking to myself, I'm talking about sports. I know this as well as anybody. I know basketball as well as anybody. Why would I be nervous? And it just, it's the second the camera came on, it was gone. Um, my second point to something you said about being in the new media, it, it became very apparent early on Especially once we really, Tommy and I really dove into the podcast, we started doing more um, longer intros, uh, you, you know, YouTube lives, all this stuff, where we were really talking about the game. We were talking about things going on in the NBA, and I realized that, in some ways, and it's no fault of anyone's, in some ways, it is an uphill battle. And I talked at length about this last week. With the way media works now, and it's not anybody's fault. Like it's it's not that people are bad people, but aggregate media exists, yes. and and whoever runs those accounts and whoever runs those companies, like they're okay with being grifters, and that's fine. Like morally, that's fine for them, but they are, they're stealing shit. Absolutely. And then you and then you start talking about old media, where everything comes about becomes about legacy and narrative and all this stuff. And I just I viewed it through a lens of, what do I actually believe? If somebody disagrees with me, that's fine. Like, do I believe that players today are better than players in the 1950s? Absolutely. I'll say that 150 times. It's not – Jay Billis talked about this the other day. Why in every other sport can we accept the fact that players are faster, players are stronger, players are more skilled, but for some reason, basketball players stopped being good in 2000. The last <laughs> 22 years, we just stopped improving. Like, why is that? And so let's push back on that. Let's push back on that. And like, I, I disagree with you. I, 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 don't, I don't go into anything I do being like, I'll, I'm going to do something, I'm going I'm to go viral. Fact. 99% what we do on the podcast what I do on ESPN, it's all organic. It's authentic. It's who I am. I have no problem being that. And if people disagree with that, and that's why that's, 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 yeah. I've talked about that about you. And if people disagree with that, that's fine. It's but i like to
2: point it out. It's one of the most amazing things about your podcast is you get up there after a game for an hour, hour, ten minutes, and you just talk. <laughs> and it's just you. And it's, and it's, we were talking yeah, about this I, before. It's Tommy, so hard to do. Tommy, It's a so great, <laughs> fucking hard to do. Tommy, that's a great point. Do
3: you like to hear yourself talk?
0: I'll be 100% honest with y'all I've never listened to a single podcast (laughs) Not one Um, I'll listen to little clips I'll listen to clips Just to see how I sound And like Do I need to sound better? Is there something that I need to clean up? So I'll listen to a couple clips But I absolutely hate hearing myself talk, like, on a podcast or on an interview. Because my voice, like, how I hear my voice right now, it don't sound. Like, and I'll I'll watch a video, and, like, who the fuck is that talking? Like, that's not how my, like, I hear myself talking right now. My voice sounds totally different than what y'all are listening to, and to me. And so I absolutely hate hearing myself talk. But i love talking it's a weird thing it's a very weird thing the
3: the only person that i know who actually likes the sound of their voice is stephen a smith (laughs) i mean we got we got we got three nba guys over there that all have at different point times have had their podcast they can attest they don't like to hear their own voice it's just stephen a smith Josh
0: what's up brother
3: yeah josh is here y'all You have been an amazing audience. We appreciate you. Thank you, Draymond. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you, Stephen A. Smith. We appreciate you. Appreciate you guys. Thank you.
0: Thank you all. Much love.